Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, July the 14th. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is Cameron Talbot. Cameron, how are things going? Yeah, everything's good, thank you. How are you? Um, I'm just fine. And you're uh, you're joining me from uh, across the pond, as we as I hear we say. Yeah, I've heard that term. It's currently 1.34 in the morning on Thursday, the 15th of July. So technically we're on two different days. But Oh, yeah. 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 Everything's good over here. Well, we're, we're doing fine. Good. So, um... So what part of England are you in? Not that I'm not that I know England all that well. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, right. How can I describe? I'm trying to think of a place that you might know. Um, I'm basically about two hours north of London. Okay. Yeah, we're we're a little bit up. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So um. So yeah, so uh, before we get into talking about stuff, have you have you been able to go to any of the NFL games when they when they played them in London? Um, you would be surprised how difficult it is to get tickets. Oh, it's, bad. it's, it's got to be tough. Huh? Chaos. <laughs> but once again, try, we tried this year, and if we don't get it this year, then we try next year, and we keep going. Well, yeah, I mean, I I can't imagine, cause, yeah, because you get it's it's only one game a year, right? One game. Um, I think it was one, and now it's two because basically what they did was they played one game a year at Wembley, and then they built another stadium, which isn't NFL exclusive, but like there was quite a big purpose of we're we're gonna do another NFL game here, so now they moved it to two. Okay, so that gives you a little better chance. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit more leeway to work with. But Excellent. we'll see. It's still, it's still going to be crazy. Well, good, good luck with that. Hope, hope it works out for you here before long. So um, we're, we're going to talk some Browns. But before we do, uh, we're going to talk about what we're drinking tonight and our Blitz beverages. And you're the guest. And I know it's late. You said 1.30, yeah. 1.30 on yeah. uh, Thursday morning where you are. So so what are you drinking to help keep you awake right now? Um, We have got... We've got two drinks open right now, actually. We've got the it's a mango energy drink called a Mango Loco, which is quite popular over here. You'll find it in basically any usual corner shop or supermarket, store, whatever. And then the main drink that we've got is a Pepsi Max, which is basically like our version of effectively a Diet Pepsi. Oh, OK. OK. I thought maybe it was like double caffeine or something. I think there is actually a little bit more caffeine in it than usual. So, I mean, they could advertise it as that, but we do actually have our own extra caffeine version. Nice. Well, it, it sounds like you've uh, like you got enough there to make it through the show, at least. Yeah, <laughs> it shouldn't yeah. be a problem, huh? We're, we're settled. settled. Yeah, well, I, I am drinking a summertime seedless watermelon hopped sour by Duclaw Brewing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, Cameron, I apparently last time I went out and bought some beer, I, I had had a few beers. And for some reason, I bought all these fruity beers. And I don't usually drink a lot of fruity beers, but some of these just look interesting. So I bought like six or eight of these different beers with all this fruit fruit in them. Um, 
but Duclaw, Duclaw is a really good brewery, and um, I, I like I like a lot of their beers. So I I didn't realize this was by Duclaw until I was sitting down to to open it up, and it's actually it's got a nice flavor. You know, I thought it was going to taste like watermelon juice and really light and everything. It's a little more complex, so you can taste the watermelon, but um, the sour really comes through probably more than the watermelon. And if you like sours, the watermelon kind of takes takes a little bit of the edge off the sour, but you can still taste the beer flavor too. So I think they did a nice job with this. Watermelon is definitely a new one. I've heard of a lot of different types of, maybe extravagant is the wrong way, but different flavored beers. I've never heard of watermelon. Well, you know, you're you're uh, you're helping me out here because I'm thinking that's probably why I bought it because <laughs> I saw it and I thought watermelon. Ooh, I think I got to try that. It's new. Yeah. It's first time for everything. Yeah. So it, it's it's pretty good. You know, I'm not going to drink a ton of these fruity beers because it's just not what I normally do. But summertime, I like trying all these different things. So, you know, it won't be long. It'll it'll start getting cool again, and I'll go back to the. So the regular beers and some darker beers and things. But for right now, um, this is a pretty enjoyable, pretty enjoyable brew. I'm pretty, yeah. pretty happy with it. Bit of a summer tropical feel. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, uh, so Cameron, we like to uh, we like to give our guests a chance to talk about their journey as a Browns fan. And being that you're in England, uh, I imagine you're your choice to be a Browns fan or how you became a Browns fan might be more interesting than, than some of us say who were born in Cleveland. So I'm going to, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you talk about, uh, you know, how this happened. Um, you know, maybe some highlights of your, you know, of your fandom and following the Browns and, you know, and, and uh, just kind of where you are as a Browns fan right now. Okay. Right. Well, in over here in England, there's quite a big stereotype about American football. That why why is it called American football? They just use the hands. It like it's it's not a real sport. They just rug, glorified rugby players with big pads on. And I'm not, not going to lie, I used to be one of them. I used to not really understand it. Used to think that it didn't really like mean anything. Like they all just run around trying to hit each other. Like you may as well just watch UFC. But then. <laughs> The more and more you get into it and you start to study the game and you start to understand the technical side, it just drew me in. And mm. I, I can't remember the day it was. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to follow this. But I can remember the day that I was like, yeah, it's the Browns. And like with a lot of people over there, it's, oh, I'm a Patriots fan. Yeah, Tom Brady. And like yeah like yeah you like super bowls um <laughs> with, whereas with me it was during the one and 31 period so you can't really say that um it was i'm trying to think of the exact i don't know if i can remember the exact game but i'm i remember i just switched on because we have our provider over here called sky sports obviously i know over there you've got fox nbc espn mm-hmm familiar with all the other ones but we've got sky sports who do our coverage over here and it was one of the only games of the year that i remember that the browns were on like our actual like because we only get one main tv slot a week when it comes to like the one o'clock games here which is a six o'clock game over here they only televise one and we get red zone 
and it was oh. the Browns that were on that one game a year because obviously when we were awful, we only we weren't exactly a main priority for TV. Right. And I remember it was one game where we were actually competitive, and you see this little underdog team that are trying to that were trying to fight with everything that they've got, and they were struggling. But I can't remember the game, but we nearly got there. We were only about a touchdown behind. I'm have to try and find the game. I like. Yeah, I like this team. And from there, I just fell in love with it. That was a good four, yeah, about four and a half years ago now. Well, I mean, uh, you had some losing after that, but um, yeah. but yeah, pretty, pretty, uh, I mean, pretty quick turnaround on the uh, starting to see a little bit of payoff already, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I don't claim to have been through the many years of hurt like everyone else. I went through about a year, but hey, interest never wavered, and I only gained more and more love for the sport and the team as a whole. Because obviously, I'm I'm still learning. Like, there's still a lot that I don't know, and that's why it excites me. Because why I'm not afraid to admit this. Why I love American football football or what you guys were called soccer is my main sport and mm-hmm. i know everything about that so it was almost exciting to me trying to learn a new sport and trying to gain as much knowledge as i know about that one well the the thing about the thing about football here is that is that even those of us and there there are there are plenty of guys that know way more about football than i do but um even those of us that feel like we've watched this for for years and years and years and years, we, we're still learning stuff all the time. And even when you do think you know everything, they make rule changes every single season <laughs> that you have to learn. Yep. <laughs> Just to make sure that you're paying attention. You know, oh, no, that's not a catch now. We've changed what a catch is. And, you know, and we've changed what, you know, different yardage on different penalties and things like this. And they do it all the time, you know, and rules on kickoffs and everything. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you can you, you have to pay attention <laughs> and I remember, if you want to keep up remember, with football. I remember when I started getting into college football a little bit, and I remember, I'm like, well, it in the NFL, if he catches the ball, he's got to have two feet inside the white lines. So when he does it in college, he's only got to have one. How does that make sense? Yeah, you you would think that they would uh, at least try to make the same rules, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. You, you, pick, you pick it up slowly. This this yeah. a hell of a lot to learn, but that excites me. I like it. Yeah. So was it was there a a player or players early on that caught your eye who you liked who who helped draw you to the Browns? Was it players or was it just the whole team? It was the whole team, and I'm not, I'm not gonna lie that even though everyone used to hate the old jerseys i actually didn't mind them even though they had cleveland written across the front in the huge letters yeah i i didn't mind them because i thought they were like they were different compared to what everyone else had so i'm like yeah i, I like this um and i don't think there was a player as a like in general because none of them were particularly great apart from fucking like the offensive line like that um I can't, I can't remember the quarterback was it? No, it, it weren't just Sean Kaiser. That was the second season. Um, yeah, I can't actually remember a player as that one that just attracted me. Okay. There was probably a few players back at the time, none of which are probably on the team now. 
Yeah, they've kind of turned things over since four and a half years ago. There aren't a whole heck of a lot of guys left <laughs> since then. Yeah, so it's all good. Yeah, I think I think people like the uniforms now because they're more like oh, yeah. they were back, I'm, like you know, yeah, what twenty thirty years ago. Much prefer these ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But um, yeah, yeah. That that that's cool. It's kind of cool how you just kind of picked them based on based on the way you saw them play, and probably that they were a bit of an underdog too. I think that's what yeah. um, people who have started to follow them within the last five, 10 years. I think that's a kind of a common thread that they wanted to root for an underdog. And, you know, in in that way, that kind of puts you in with the rest of us who have been following them for a long time because we've stuck with a team who was an underdog and just, you know, wanted to see it, wanted to see him do well. And now hopefully we'll, uh, we'll all start to enjoy the team. Yeah. You know, um, they obviously had a nice season last year, but we're, we're open for more this year. So, yeah, that's what we're doing. I've been underdog for much longer, even though we're still getting darted everywhere. But yeah, I, so, I've seen I've seen people like make graphics and stuff saying that we're not even going to make the playoffs this year, and it just makes me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it could be close, but don't don't just rule us out already. It it, it it's funny. Yeah, I'm I'm almost. Uh... I'm almost to the point where I don't even look at that stuff anymore. Yeah, I try, but some of it still draws me in. <laughs> and the Browns obviously have, and some people have said the Browns have the best roster in the NFL. And I don't know. That, that's hard to say because I think you have to wait certain possessions and everything. And, and I think the Browns, um, you know, have, have spots where guys have to come in and prove, you know, things like on defense. Um, you know, I, I think they've, they've, brought a lot of, of really nice players in on defense, but we got to see them play together and, and got to see guys stay healthy, hopefully for a bit. Um, so I, I know the defense is going to improve, but is this going to be a, a top defense? Well, you know, we still got to see them play. Um, I'm, I'm very optimistic, but, you know, I'm not willing to say that this defense is going to be a top five or ten defense until, you know, until we see them out there playing. Joe Woods has still got a lot to show me up before I'm convinced. Well, I, I have confidence in him, but but yeah, I mean, last last uh, season he really didn't have the pieces, so now he's got the pieces, now he's got to produce. That, that's yeah. pretty much that simple. Like We've got Grant Delpit back. We've paid out big money for John Johnson. We've got Jadavian Clowney, Malik Jackson, Malik McDowell back on the defense from... I remember he got drafted by the Seahawks originally, and then he spent some time out. We've got him... Um, just definitely some other players that I'm forgetting. Anthony Walker. Um, yeah. Trying to think. Oh, it's probably someone else I'm forgetting. Well, the, I mean, the rookies, uh, JOK and. and uh, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Andrew Billings come back from his opt out. Yeah, Billings. Um, yeah, so, um, so yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of pieces. They, yeah. Um, you, you have to see who shows up, especially on the defensive line. Uh, you got to see how these guys come in because there's a lot of guys fighting for a few spots on the defensive line. I, I don't you know. know I don't know if I like the way that we've set up the defensive line. Though, if I'm being completely honest, I feel like we've gone too pass rush heavy. And I don't. I feel like it might backfire because we've got obviously Miles can do anything. Jadavian Clowney's probably the only one who I'd say who's got. A, 
like a run defense speciality, and he's on the edge. I feel like when it comes to defensive tackle, you've got um, Malik Jackson and Andrew Billings, who are two pass rushing defensive tackles. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just feel like it, teams are going to recognise that and they're going to be able to scheme around us because they realise we're going to be too over aggressive on snaps and we're not going to wait. Like we just need to. The, the Browns are going to have to have to adjust if that happens. You know, these guys are going to have to play the run. I mean, Clowney's Clowney's good, obviously good against the run. So, um, and and I think they're going to have to look at this stable of defensive tackles they have and if that's what they need to fill is is dts who can come in and stop the run then those guys are going to keep and i mean they've they've got a bunch of them you know oh yeah we've got so many defensive tackles at the minute yeah i mean there there's i don't know there's like five guys fighting for a couple spots probably on that on that defensive you know at defensive tackle so so well, we'll did you make the decision to cut Sheldon Richardson? What I make of it? Yeah. I mean, it, it caught me a little off guard. I thought they would keep him for this season, but, you know, it kind of makes sense, too. And especially when you look at all the defensive tackles they have. I mean, you know, he, he's he's obviously a very good player, but, um, you know, especially after the draft, um, you know, when they added another um defensive tackle and and then they sign all these other guys they must i think with this team it's you know it, it really is starting to come down to money and um yeah. they're trying to be smart with the money and the way the way that uh, richardson makes the most sense is probably if they extend somebody you know this this year you know before the season even starts um you know, then it looks like they, they cleared that money. Of course, there there's some guys still out there that they could potentially sign too. Probably won't be for real big money, but um, I, I think they wanted the flexibility yeah. with letting him go. And most of these guys they brought in, they're they're not costing them anything like that. Like you were that. paying a, you were paying eleven million dollars and you weren't getting eleven million dollars in production. Like it was. Oh, it's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, and I mean the days of paying top dollar for for a guy in Cleveland, you know, they they should be pretty much over at this point because well, guys want to come here and play. Yeah. So, well, let's look at uh, and talk about the expectations for this season because the expectations for this season are are very high, Cameron. So, I want to know where you stand on your expectations for this team and the kind of how you're looking at things for this team, um, short term uh, versus long term, and do you see or are you concerned about a window with this team? A you know, go ahead. A window doesn't concern me necessarily because I feel like as long as we make the extensions in the short term, then the window stays open for a lot longer and we have the money and the flexibility to make the extensions. Mm-hmm. When it comes down to expectations for the season, short term, I want to see those extensions being made. Maybe not quite bakey yet because we've still got another two years. Sure, 
like is that has to like just do that now like do it tomorrow like um tell her it's a funny one i feel like if you if you keep telling you're gonna lose someone else and i as ruthless as it sounds i would be prepared to do that because i feel like he's that good um who else needs to extend in Extending guys, yeah. Den- Denzel Ward is the other yes, guy. But Denzel's another one like Baker because obviously same draft 2018. We've got another two years if you include the option, so there is a little bit more room to work with on that one. But you don't want to leave it too long because you don't want another corner to get a huge deal and the price goes up even further. Um. So back to expectations. I want to see more cohesion on the defensive end like Joe Woods didn't have the pieces last year you're correct, he's got the pieces now we need to see more, you've got a returning Grant Delpit, you've got John Johnson Troy Hill on the back end you've got all the defensive line depth that we discussed about, the linebacking calls improved it's time to make this step up, we can't be afford to having to score like 49 points like we did away at the Cowboys last year purely yeah. because the defense couldn't stand up in the second half like yeah. we can't if you're a top team you don't have to do that and it's not fair on the offense to keep having to compensate for the defense so I need to see more defensive cohesion early talking the first four or five games um long term if we're talking within the boundaries of the season I would I would ideally Nick Chubb to have just an incredible season I want him to like do Derek Henry-esque numbers but I don't know if that's quite possible in the offence that we run it because it's not tight and like you run it more than you throw it um, I want Baker to start to well no he is comfortable in the offence but you can never be too comfortable in that sort of offence for the play action roll out system Um I want a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. back. Ideally, if we are going to keep him, I hope if we've made that decision that we are going to keep him, then we go all in on him, give him everything you need. Um, I think he's going to be here this season. I don't think I don't really think there's much doubt about that. I know, but you still, yeah, and and I know there's not much to it, but you still see people like, oh, top five Odell trade destinations. I'm like, and you yeah. never know. You never and pe- people are bored yeah. right now. I, honestly, I think people are. Obviously, it, it's it's fun to talk about the Browns, but I think people are almost to a point where they're tired of talking about some of this stuff, and they just want to see football because they can see and feel that this team is good enough and this team will be ready. And they're like, just let's get on with us. So, so they're just pulling crap out of the bag to 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 write about. And it, it's no offense to, to guys. I, I've been in that position. I've written articles like that. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not trying to say anybody's not doing a good job. <laughs> um, when it comes to like an overall like record for the season, honestly, just improve. Because that shows more to me. If you even just improve by a game on a much harder schedule than last year, that shows me a lot that one, you're able to beat the tough teams when we end up in the like when we get into the 
deep depth to the playoffs because while yeah, obviously we beat the Steelers last year, we couldn't beat KC. We'll see about that week one. Obviously, yeah. So, so you're saying the so the Browns were regular season. The Browns were eleven and five last year. So, so an improvement in the seventeen game would be would be twelve and five. Um, yeah, I think 12-5, and four. I'd, I'm happy with either of those because obviously I know we've got a tougher schedule. I know that we are a better team than the Steelers, but I'd probably still expect us to split with them because it's just that sort of game that you never know what's going to happen. Baltimore, probably another split. Then we've got to go away to the Packers on Christmas Day. That's never going to be an easy game. Um, yeah, there's some K- tough games. KC week, that's 50-50, and you can always expect to. A stupid loss which should never happen, like the Jets last year or the Raiders at home. You can, always, you've always got to throw one of them in there. So, so, so let's let's talk. I I think uh, if if we're looking at the division, I, I would be surprised if if the the team that the Browns aren't, you know, uh, competing most with for the division title is is the Ravens. Um, you know, I, I hate to ever count the Steelers out because the Steelers, uh, Steelers find a way a lot of times. Okay, so I'm I'm not saying that they won't do anything, but I, I just I just feel like they've they've lost pieces. They're still aging. Um, you know, so so if it's me and I'm on the Browns, I'm most concerned about the Ravens. Do you do you think teams are starting to solve the Lamar Jackson puzzle a bit? I feel like as if the Browns are going to have to work that one out themselves and that's why I feel like I was so happy with the JOK pick because I feel like he could almost be a big piece to that puzzle because you've got a fast, versatile linebacker slash safety hybrid who when we play the Ravens you can literally almost put him in the game as a Lamar Jackson spy you can just track sideline to sideline and he's got the speed to do it i'm with you and i don't i don't even care how much jok plays the rest of the season as a rookie i'm sure he's going to play and find his spots you know and get worked in but i think he's going to play a ton against the ravens and i think he's going to be really big against lamar so um, assuming that other teams are, you know, I, I really don't know because you see in the playoffs, teams seem to do better against Lamar and, you know, and teams find a way to at least they're starting to take him out of the game at key times. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen this season. I mean, it's, he still puts up huge numbers all the time, but what's uh what do you expect out of the Ravens this year? You know, as far as a record, if you had to just kind of pick a number out of the sky, you know, what what kind of a win total? And you know, I, I assume their schedule's pretty close to the Browns. Um, yeah. You know, and how hard it is. How many wins do you think they put up comfortably? Honestly, I feel like the Ravens and Browns are going to be separated probably by our last game, like literally. Whichever one of us doesn't get thirteen and four, the other one is going to get twelve and five. Like it's going to be that close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd be shocked if the Ravens didn't win at least eleven games. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, the Steelers, I, I have no idea if the Steelers will win three games or 11 games this year. Yeah, I have no idea. For as bad as we all say the Steelers are, and I do think that they are a bad team, they've not had a single losing season under Mike Tomlin, and I just don't think that's going to change. Even if they go like 9-8, and eight, like, no, I, I'm with you. I, I've 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 looked at the history of the Steelers enough times to know that this team, even if they do have a down season, they they will go nine and eight this year, and then they will be back to to winning twelve games next year somehow. I just don't feel as if they're ever going to be an elite team. While Roethlis Roethlisberg is still a quarterback, I just don't see it. Mm, I, I I think you're probably right. I think he's yeah he's definitely. You know, it, I, everybody knows he's on the back end, but he's definitely not the same player anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Browns kind of had their way with him. Four interceptions know. in a playoff game against a very average defense. Like, it wasn't anything special, that defense. No, imagine what a good defense would have done against them. Yeah. Like, you got picked off by Sony Taki Taki. Um, that was a great play. I swear, yeah, I swear, <laughs> I, he, got, he got picked off by... He got picked off by Paul Augustine on the defensive line. It was, oh, what was the second? Sheldrick Redwine. Like these. Yeah, the, honestly, that's, these that, players, those are guys. They're, they're those are guys special. who. Uh, I, I think Taki Taki is going to be on the team this year, but some of those oh, other yeah. guys they're fighting for spots this year. Yeah, that, yeah, I I like Sony Taki Taki. I feel like he's he's a great special teams player and he's a good depth option. Yeah, yeah, no, I think he's going to be on the team this year, definitely. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Red Redwine's fighting for a spot, and uh, yeah. Porter Gustin's, uh, he's got an uphill climb in front of him, probably. So, so we'll see. Definitely. I'm racking my brains on who the first interception was now. I know there was four. Yeah. <laughs> we should four. know this. This is Brown's history, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh. Anyways. So um, I just want to talk real quick about a uh, about an article that um, um, Sam Penix wrote this article. And it, he just said um, it, the article, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but um, I, I just wrote down the names. And his uh, the title of the article is Five Future Hall of Famers on the Browns. And yeah, so um, I want to see if you agree with these choices. And, I, and some of this is contingent upon the way, you know, I, I think really all five of these are contingent upon what these guys do the rest of their careers. But his his thought is that these guys all have a shot at making the Hall of Fame. And I, I think, you know, unless you've watched sports for a long time, you really don't realize what the Hall of Fame really is. You think of the Hall of Fame as these old guys who who are either dead or gone or you know or played back in the 1950s. And a lot of times you don't realize that you're watching some of them play. Legacy. You know, yeah. So um, I mean, we knew we were watching when Joe Thomas was playing. We knew we were watching a Hall of Famer because he looked like a Hall of Famer by his second season. Okay, but. I- I only got one year of Joe Thomas. Yeah, yeah, but that that's not always the case. Okay, a lot of guys, it's a little more subtle to figure out who a Hall of Famer is, so you you don't realize it. And but there's a percentage of guys in the league right now who are going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. 
And yeah. and unless you really think about it and look at it, you're you're gonna miss and not realize that you're watching some of these guys. So the guys he listed, um, and, and again, these guys aren't all gonna make the Hall of Fame, but they all have a shot. And it depends what they do the rest of their careers, how long they play, and and their level of play. But the first one he said is Odell Beckham Jr. Um, you know, I think he's put up huge numbers already. Um, he, I think he needs some more healthy seasons because it's not easy to get into the Hall of Fame as a wide receiver. Agreed, but I feel like because of the character that he is, because he's so outlandish, I feel like he could almost get I'm, – I'm not getting his way solely from that, but his personality could almost draw him towards it slightly further than his numbers should suggest. It, it helps. It really does help. guys. And guys who have played in a place like New York – they, yeah. they have an edge, and the personality definitely gives him an edge. Um, I mean, you look at um, if if you look at any of the Hall of Fames, look at um, you know I I always think of I always think of baseball and Billy Martin being in the Hall of Fame. Is he really a Hall of Famer? I don't know, but he but he was outlandish and he played in New York and he managed in New York for a while. Sure, he's a Hall of Famer. Put him in. Okay, um, it, it's. I think you're. I think you're exactly right. It's. It's the same with OBJ. He definitely has a leg up, and I think if he finishes his career, uh, you know, on a strong foot, uh, I, I think he's. I think he's probably got a great shot at being a Hall of Famer. Um, next one was Jarvis Landry. No. Well, you you say no. He's he's got he's got big numbers, and he's still pretty young. So I think with Jarvis, that's probably a manner. A, uh, a a a question of longevity, how long he plays, and if he keeps putting up numbers, um, you know, Jarvis, it, it's going to depend. I mean, there there are a lot of wide receivers now who have put up really big numbers, and some guys who still haven't gotten in. So I think with Jarvis, he's he'd be kind of an under the radar guy. I think he would need probably a championship or two plus, yeah. you know. Um, plus, he would probably have to play into his probably late 30s, <laughs> you yeah. know, to get in. That'd be my thought. Yeah, because, like, you could ask an average NFL fan, like, to um, write, like, a, a list of their top 20 wide receivers. And let's say you ask 50 to fifty people to do that. I guarantee that a maximum of 10 have Jarvis Landry in their top 20. Like top twenty, well, you might. You're probably right. Well, especially right now with him on the Browns, because he's he's not he's not thought of as a number one guy. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're you're right. Um. So from there he went to offensive line. He and he named Jack Conklin and Joel Batonio. Um. Conklin's still really young, and he's got some All Pros under his belt. Um. Uh, Batonio is doesn't have the All Pros, but he's got you know some. Uh, some Pro Bowls. Um, I don't think either one of these guys gets, you know, gets a lot of accolades league wide, you know, and gets their name brought up as a as a great great player. But they're both putting together really really solid careers. So, um, offensive linemen again, it's 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 kind of a crapshoot almost to get into the Hall of Fame. You almost have to be, you almost have to be a big name as an offensive lineman to get into, you have to be a known guy. It seems like so, um, with a lot of, a lot of, 
I would say Pro Bowls, but they don't even look so much at Pro Bowls anymore. It's, you know, the all pros and things like that. So, um, um, Conklin, maybe, Petonio, I'm going to go no. Not because they don't deserve it necessarily, purely because they don't have the notoriety. Yeah, I, I would say Conklin probably has a better shot because he's got all pros versus Pro Bowls. And I, I think you're right. And he's younger. Because of the amount of money that he's going to attract at the end of his three-year deal, which we're already one year into, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say he's probably not going to spend the entirety of his career in Cleveland. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I, I would say that that's probably true. That's probably true. Um, the Browns will probably find a way to, to bring somebody else out to, uh, to play right tackle. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he signs an extension and is here for maybe another four or five years yet. But when he reaches his prime, like his early thirties, I think he'll probably we, we probably won't be able. But we might be able to pay him, but I feel like he'd probably just attract too much money from elsewhere and we'd walk away. Yeah, his offensive line's tricky. I mean, because because you're right. I um, you know, a lot of these other positions, guys are guys are about done around 30, you know, wide receivers and, and, and running backs and, and, you know, and a lot of other spots, um, corners, things like that. These guys are winding down. They're ready to, to be cut and go home, you know, age 30 and offensive linemen, you, you're right. A lot of them are hitting their prime at 30, 31, 32. And, and yeah. some of the best ones play until their late thirties. Uh, you see Andrew Whitworth for the Rams, obviously. I know we've got injured the back end of last year. How old is he like 39 and he's still got another year on his deal. Yeah, yeah, the Bengals gave up on him a long time ago, and I mean, imagine how much, you know, not that he would have gotten him anywhere, but, you know, the Bengals let him go, like, what, four or five years ago? Um, He went to the Rams, and I mean, he's just, he's been a great player for him. So, so yeah, it's definitely, he's, uh, Conklin definitely has a long time to play, uh, you know, assuming that, um, you know, he stays healthy. I think that's, that's the key for offensive linemen. If things stay healthy, they can, they can play for they can play for close to 20 years you know if they're if they're if they're healthy and they just keep joe had like the back end of his career obviously i know he had like the huge like what was it like 10,300 consecutive snaps played and then like things just started going wrong all over the place who's that joe thomas yeah yeah joe and well i mean Joe was doing fine until until he uh, had that injury. Yeah, and, and then, then he was done. Going. Yeah, and he just didn't come back after that injury. So just like that. Yep, I'm sure. I think he could have come back if he wanted to. I think he just he rehabbed that injury, and you know, he I had think nothing left to prove. It was just it was just time for him. So, so that's four of the five, and the fifth one you can probably guess who the fifth future hall of famer on the browns would be it's a bit of a stretch because he hasn't played a lot of games yet and he plays on the defensive side of the ball oh yeah well yeah no i know it is now yeah Yeah, be miles miles garrett yeah i was thinking i was thinking nick chubb well he didn't even name nick chubb Uh, um i think that's crazy um well, you, you know, Nick Chubb, and I don't have his stats up right in front of me right now, but Nick Chubb, with another big season or two, he's got a chance to just blow by some some guys on the Browns' all-time rushing list. Um, just 
amazing, amazing players. Um, so I'm with you there. Nick Chubb, um, if Nick Chubb keeps playing for, you know, for a long time, I, I think he's got a great chance to make the Hall of Fame. Um, in the article, he mentioned Miles Garrett. Um, yeah. And Miles obviously has a great shot at the Hall of Fame if he keeps playing like he plays, and especially sure. if he can play some seasons where he can play more games, you know. Um, he said in his article, which I was not aware of, that uh, um, that Miles has the the second highest sack per game percentage of, of any player. Now, this, of course, would be since sacks were recorded, which is in the uh, what do I want to say? The the late or the uh, this would be the uh, early '80s, I think, is when they started tracking sacks, or maybe yeah, some somewhere around 1980, might be the late '70s, early '80s. Um, so so there could be guys before that that had more sacks, but they weren't even counting them back then. So um, Miles has the second highest rate out of anybody who's played the game behind Reggie White. Yeah, I was I, I was thinking Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, yeah, I, I would bet that Lawrence Taylor is probably in the top five on that list too. Yeah, <laughs> but Miles hasn't played a ton of games yet. You know, he just hasn't. True. Um, so give him, you know, it would be nothing would be better than to see Miles just play the next three, four seasons and just you know just be out there every game and just see what he can do. So um, he wasn't held back into last year because. Obviously, he was playing. He was playing incredibly for like the first ten games. Then he gets COVID. He's out for two games, but then he has to deal with the lingering after effects for like the remaining five six games that we've got, and he's nowhere near full strength. Like, yeah, he's just completely depleted. Like he was using. Um, it, it, it was tough. It, it was hard to watch because he was sucking air, you know, and you could see he was really trying and really wanting to be out there and everything. But um, but yeah, I mean, he just he had to take plays off, and and he just he wasn't himself, you know, and it, it cut into his production. But um, let's just let's just hope that between the additional guys on the line and him being healthy, that he can just go out there and play this year and play, you know, if not 17 games, pretty darn close to it. And let's just see what he can do. Let's hope so. So 2020 was a was a uh, nice season for the Browns. And in your in your mind, what what kind of latitude did that buy Stefanski, uh, Barry, and De Podesta with the Browns? And I know this is a stupid thing to be talking about, oh, but no, I'm no. looking at this from from Haslam's perspective. Yeah. Um. I feel like it gives them quite a bit. De Podesta, I feel like it probably gives the most to De Podesta out of the three of them because it just almost shows he was right all along because he wanted Stefanski last year when we went for Kitchens instead. And like, even if you want to go as far back to the Hugh Jackson hire, he wanted McDermott, the Bills coach, instead of Hugh Jackson. And now look where McDermott shows it. Maybe this guy does know what he's talking about. That would have been an okay hire too. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this guy does know what he's talking about. Maybe let's give him a chance. 
when it comes to Stefanski and Berry, well, I mean, to win NFL Coach of the Year, is a rookie's virtually unheard of. So I feel yeah. like that shows that you're doing something right. And Berry just he hasn't put a foot wrong, and it doesn't look like he's going to make like a foot wrong, regardless of no matter what he does. It seems he just seems like the type of guy that even if he does make a slightly bad choice, it'd still almost work out somehow. Maybe not in <laughs> the right. way that you intended. But I just don't see how the man can do much wrong at the minute. And I hope it stays that way. So to answer your original question, I feel like it's given all three of them a good couple of years, but probably deeper deaths than the most. Yeah, so you, so you kind of feel like they're they're pretty much safe for maybe the next two seasons right now? Yeah, unless performance takes a huge downfall or we, like, that and we draft awfully next year, God forbid. Yeah, I just... I just, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't see how any of that stuff can happen. It's not that the Browns can't lose games, but I don't no. see how this team could possibly fall apart the way Stefanski ran things last year. Yeah, you know, he's just he's got things under control. These guys are focused. Um, there's there's not all these headlines about you know guys doing stupid things and. You know, and guys getting mad about different things. Everything is handled in-house. And and what you said about about Andrew Barry was so spot on. <laughs> if he does make a mistake, it seems to work out somehow. Anyways, and I, you know, I, I can't even really think of anything big that he's made a mistake on. Um, but, you know, not every move is going to be perfect. You know, not every draft pick is going to be perfect. There, there could be a pick from the draft this year that doesn't make the team. It's not the end of the world. This team is so good. Yeah, this team, like, the team starts. And that's what, maybe, I, I won't call it a mistake, maybe slightly complacent. I feel like we probably should have been a bit more aggressive in the draft because I feel like we probably didn't need as many rookies as we drafted. But maybe that's just my opinion. I'm, I'm probably wrong. No, I'm with you because I, I was really surprised that they that they used um, that they used that many picks. Um, they end up using well, they they pick seven guys, right? So um, I, I would have been happy with four or five personally. I honestly didn't think that they would take any more than any more than five guys because I didn't see any more than than four or five rookies making this team. So uh, you never know. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe uh, I, I don't know. I'll still, for some reason, be surprised if seven rookies make this team. But one, uh, it's one hard rookie, to say. One rookie that we did take, which really is intriguing, I've done a little bit of scouting on it, is the offensive tackle we took in Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Have you seen much of it? Yeah. Because basically, the way that I found it, yeah. pre draft, because I actually noticed in pre draft, as bad as that might sound, because I was watching Zaven Collins, because obviously there was quite a lot of rumors that we were going to take Zaven Collins, I want to say maybe around mid to late March time. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm watching some Zaven Collins footage, and I see this guy absolutely mauling Zaven Collins. And it's James Hudson. 
I'm like, oh, okay, so who's this then? Because this guy is just throwing Zayvon Collins about the field and he looks like his footwork's spot on. Like, he's just defending every type of different move that Collins is doing. And honestly, like, I'm surprised that he made it as far as he did because obviously other teams needing pass rushes were going to be watching that footage and I'm surprised he didn't shoot up teams' draft board. Well, you know why he made it that far? He did. He didn't have a good. Uh, he didn't have a good pro day. And teams uh, put teams put too much stock in the pro day, not enough in the film. So uh, teams are lazy. Teams show up to his pro day. Ah, you know, you didn't look that good. Okay, great, great. A real game showing. Yeah, I mean, he and he's not been. Um, He's not been playing offensive line for that long. I think only, um, I, I'm guessing here, I think it's only been a couple of seasons because he was a defensive lineman. Yeah, he's got the size and he's got the, he's got the, I think he has, uh, I think his reach, his uh, wingspan is, is a little bit longer than normal. And he's got a bit of a mean streak too, which is not bad, you know, <laughs> you know. There's no offensive line coach, rather like other than Bill Callahan, Bill Callahan, that I would rather even learn from because you've got the best of the best there. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if if we kind of noticed how good he plays even in preseason when he's out there, because you know, in in rookie camp, James Hudson was the only offensive lineman there. Yes, I saw that on building. I saw that. On you saw that on building the Browns, and he spent a whole day just him and and whoever else was there with Bill Callahan. I mean, how awesome is that? That he's just working with Bill Callahan one on one for however many hours it was that day. I'm like, this is almost not even fair. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people were a little bit down on that pick. I'm like, you know. Um, my brother, who's usually on the podcast, was really high on James Hudson, and James Hudson um, graduated from uh, um, University of Cincinnati, where where my uh, third kid is getting ready to attend. So I'm kind of a fan just because he's going to a school where I've had you know three kids go. So so I'm definitely rooting for him. Yeah, it, it looks like his depth is a great pick, and it also. It sounds like a cheap way out, but it almost does give us more negotiating room with contracts because like, if you want to say to like Jack Conklin or Jeffrey Wills like, far down the line, if you're asking for too much money, like, hey, we've got James Hudson waiting and ready to go. Like, well, I, I think that's, you know, that that's part of the idea. And that's kind of what the Browns need to do is have have guys like him ready to go. You know, he he doesn't have to start this year. But man, if he's if he's ready to go either next season or the season after, when one of these guys you know is not around, then man, the Browns are going to be so much ahead of the game if they've got their right tackle or um, you know sitting sitting and you know waiting and and he can also come off the bench in case they need him. Man, they're they're going to be so far ahead of the game versus having to go into a draft. Saying, man, I hope a tackle makes it down to number twenty-seven or twenty-nine or wherever the heck they're picking. Um, 
talking of another offensive lineman, what is your opinion on the whole JC NFLPA situation? Because that's something I spoke a lot about over the off-season and how I feel like it's unnecessary attention that could be brought to the Browns. I, I, I don't like it one bit. Well, I think it, it goes with his possession. So I think he has to do what he's doing. You know, he has to stand up for the players. Um, whether it's all necessary or not, that's probably another question. Um, you know, I, I think if, if you look at the Browns as an organization, the Browns are the Browns support people. Um, the Browns support everybody. So I don't think the Browns have an issue with really anything that J.C. Treader is going to say or do. So I, I don't see it as a problem with the Browns. Um, but I just I just think it's the position that J.C. Treader is in. And he's, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, if you look at what he was saying about guys, I, I presume you're talking primarily about guys attending camps and so forth. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing with that is, I don't know if there's any way to quantify or to really know what kind of effect that has in football. Okay, as unless guys come in and they just really don't know what the heck's going on, <laughs> then then you don't know because you can't you can't tell if uh, if injuries are caused by guys being there or not. You know, there, there's no way to know. So, um, just from watching, watching, uh, I'm trying to think who was talking. I don't. It wasn't Treader. It was one. Of the, it may have been Batonio talking in one of his uh, pressers. You know, following um, uh, one of the one of the practices at, at one of the camps. Um, that that for him, it was better for him not to be there because if you got to come into camp, you got to you know you got to try to to get into shape, um, you know, for that camp. And, and if you're, if you're not doing the camp, then you're, you're essentially trying to only get into shape like a couple times a year versus, you know, versus yo-yoing all the time to, to come in and do all these things. And especially with an offensive lineman, it's probably a little bit different because these guys don't necessarily get up to their playing weight until it's time to come in and play i mean i don't know if i don't know if they all do what joe thomas did or not where some of them are way less in the off season and then and then they try to put some weight on before they come in or not you know maybe some of these guys stay around 300 320 all year round i'm not sure but um have you but, seen uh, the um, video of marquise palsy the ex-steeler center playing golf the guy looks like he's lost like 150 pound already it's crazy yeah, I mean, it, you know, Joe Thomas said that when he was playing. Joe Thomas used to lose, you know, I don't, it probably wasn't 150, but I mean, Joe Thomas lost, you know, he would lose, he would lose 50, 75 pounds in the offseason and put it back on before the season when he was playing. And it, and it worked for him. Yeah. Um, I don't know if every guy can do that or not. When, and when you're, a, when you're a first ballot Hall of Famer, you do whatever you want, you know. <laughs> and if you're willing to put your body through that. Yeah, but I mean, just from hearing Batonio talk, it, it sounded like it was easier on his body to not come into camp and just kind of do his own 
working out and stuff at home in a different way and then be ready when he got into camp. Of course, with Batonio, you're talking about a guy who's been on the team for a long yeah. time. Yeah. You know? I've got no excuse, Joel, at all. Yeah, so, you know, that might not be the same for a guy entering his second or third season. Um, um, We're seeing, it, my, my main issue is maybe it sounds a bit ignorant when it's monetary rather than someone like Joel who's doing it for actual performance reasons, as I'd class it. Like, you, you sign the, the contract, now like show up effectively don't hold like i understand if you want to hold out but don't but go the right way about it yeah yeah the the thing with this browns team is if guys are going to not come to camp and then show up not in shape they're not going to be around long and it it almost doesn't matter who you are, you know, unless you're, and you know, there's maybe, you know, and I'm not going to go through the names, there's maybe 10 guys on this team who would make the team regardless of how they show up. The rest of these guys, man, you show up looking like crap and, and, and don't know what you're doing. And, and it's obvious that you just um, went home and didn't do anything in the off season and didn't come to camps. Man, see you later. Look for another team, and good luck. There's just too many other guys on this team that want to make this team. Yeah, I I, I think that's how it's going to be, and, and and that goes back to all those defensive linemen too. You know, guys like Marvin Wilson, who who the Browns signed as an, you know an undrafted free agent out of college, who you know they paid a lot of money to, and he's kind of a wild card and. You know, it's yeah. like, how, how's this guy going to show up? Well, you know what? If he wants to make the team, no matter how much they paid him to to give him a spot, he better show up in better shape than than some of these other guys, and he better play his butt off, or he's still not going to make the team. To be fair, I do feel quite bad for Marvin Wilson because basically the issue was that if you want to look back about a year ago, he was a projected first round pick, but easily mm-hmm. I saw a mock draft where. Browns were going to take him at 14. Yeah. And then Florida State asked him to put 30 pounds on, moved him to nose tackle, and his production died. And uh-huh. they've cost him millions and millions of dollars. So, yeah. I mean, he's got his opportunity. Once everyone, once you're on the team, it doesn't matter whether you're the first overall pick on the draft or you're undrafted. You've got the same opportunities. Now just go out there and earn it. Well, as a Browns fan and, you know, Browns coaches and that, you hope that that all these guys that they signed are as motivated as Marvin Wilson should be to come in and say, man, I should have been a first round pick and I'm going to show you guys why. Yeah. And because if he does that, he's going to he's going to earn a spot. Oh, yeah. You know, it won't be a problem for him if he's he's got that kind of talent. But. Uh, that, that spots on that defense are going to be up for grabs. Like, there's a few people that interest me who I'm like, mm, 50-50. Malik McDowell's one. Mac Wilson's another. Shelby Redwine. Um, there's one more. 
Malik, yeah, Malik McDowell. I mean, yeah, he's going up. He's going up against Marvin Wilson and and some of these other guys. Um, it, it's gonna, it's just, it's gonna be a numbers game. It's gonna be a matter of how many defensive tackles they're gonna carry, and who yeah. the Browns like. You know, and you know how how is Andrew Billings gonna show up? Is he gonna show up fifty pounds overweight? You know, yeah. versus how Marvin Wilson's gonna show up. I feel like the only one guaranteed to make the team, no, just probably two guaranteed to make the team right now, and it's Malik Jackson and Tommy Togai, the fourth round pick. Yeah, I I don't know if Togai's guaranteed a spot either. You know, I I would think um, I mean Jordan Elliott could be guaranteed a spot too. You could look at him because his his contract is next to nothing, and he's got like so many defensive tackles. I completely forgot about Jordan Elliott. Like we've yeah, got so yeah, many. I mean, there's just so many guys, and um, it, it <laughs> I don't I have no idea who's going to make the team at defensive tackle. But to me, I think I think Jordan Elliott's going to make the team because of his contract, and because I think he's I think he's going to show up, and I think he's going to be even better than last year. You know, I mean, um, I, I thought he played decent last year, but I think he's got more, more talent than what he showed last year. Yeah, so I, I think he's going to look good. Um, I think I think Malik Jackson will make the team, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know for sure. Um, beyond those two guys, uh, you know, I kind of hope Andrew Billings shows up and looks good because I think he could be a key asset for the Browns. Oh, yeah, completely. If he shows up and he's in prime form, he's one of the starting two. Like, because he, he has a guaranteed contract, and he's, I mean, he's a huge guy. So, um, yeah. So, and, and, and we still haven't even, haven't even looked at the other guys yet. Uh, Toby exactly. Guy and Wilson and, and uh, Malik oh, McDowell. Yeah. Those guys aren't all making the team, you know, and there's other, there's a couple other defensive tackles that we haven't even named yet. Um, I I don't know how many guys are going to carry. I have no idea. I think but a couple guys are going to get cut that probably don't deserve it. Or maximum five, I'd say. And even um, I'd, I'd say that's crazy. I would think so. I would think a maximum of five because Clowney can slide inside sometimes too. But then that leaves you, if Clowney's sliding inside, then that leaves you slightly thin on the edge. Well, I think when Clowney comes inside, then Tack McKinley's out there on the edge. And you, you're pretty much trying to rush, you know, rush um, the quarterback a little bit more <laughs> out of that set. I think well, that's kind of what's happened there. But On the edge, um, you've got Clowney, Garrett, McKinley. You've got Curtis Weaver coming back in with Pitch Profile from the Dolphins. Curtis Weaver's interesting. I, I think he's either going to look good or bad, you know? Yeah, I, I don't think there's much middle ground there. I feel like he's going to come in and show everyone what they were missing, or he's going to come in and flop, and, and that'll, as bad as yeah. it sounds, that'll probably be his NFL career over already. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, he's he's if he's healthy and, and that, and uh, he, he's either going to come in healthy and, you know, I, I guess there's still a question of whether he can play in the NFL or not. So if he comes in healthy, he'll have to show he can play in the NFL. And if he does, he's probably got a good shot at at, uh, at taking that um, fourth defensive end spot, I would think. Um, you know, know, compared to what you, 
what what the consensus is, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely a yeah. Uh, Weaver's definitely one guy I want to see in in the preseason. Um, well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Mac Wilson. We just got to see that linebacker. That's another spot where they they've got quite a few guys there, and you have to feel like there's going to be a lot of times where there's only two linebackers on the field. So how many linebackers do they really need to carry? And who's going to make the team? Well, I think the guaranteed ones are um, Jacob Phillips and Anthony Walker. I feel Mm -hmm. like they're the the guaranteed ones. Because Jacob Phillips really impressed me back into the last season. Especially that Steelers game at home, like the playoffs, week 17. Um, He's got all the tools, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be here. Yeah, obviously, um, JOK is going to make the roster, so that's three. Tacky Tacky's probably my fourth. Not guaranteed, though. Um, I feel like I'm missing someone again. Apart from Matt Wilson, obviously. Well, and uh, Mac Wilson and um, Malcolm Smith would be the other one. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. I might oh, be forgetting somebody too. Mac Wilson is my bottom one on that list because I, I just don't see it. I just don't see. Mac looked pretty good as a rookie. You know, he didn't set the world on fire, but he made some nice plays and he played hard. Um, I think we got to see who shows up, but I think he's. I think, I think you're right. I think he's got kind of an uphill climb because. Um, oh. Um, we're forgetting about the, uh, and his name is eluding me right now. The uh, the guy they drafted, the uh, the linebacker, the other linebacker, they drafted. Um, he's probably going to play special teams this year, and I'm going to obviously go back through my notes to look for his name because, and you know, like I said on the last show, there's uh, too many guys on this bet on this. Uh, um, I'm, I'm about to try and pull up his name. Yeah. Tony Fields. Yeah, Tony Fields. So Tony Fields is probably going to make the team. You know, he'll probably play special uh, special teams this year. But, um, you know, and, and uh, don't know. But, I mean, I've heard a lot of good things about him. We'll see how he looks. I don't know if he's going to play much linebacker all this year. But, uh Probably special teams guy and trying to work his way into a spot eventually. So I, I think I think the Browns probably feel like they got something good in him. So um you know for the for the defense they play. Uh, yeah. I think he's got good speed too. And you know, I think we'll kind of see see how that works out for him. Um, so change of direction on the tape, like he doesn't get duped out easily, which is quite which could be big if you're playing if you let's say we have injuries and you are up against Lamar Jackson in that game, he's not going to get put on the floor, basically. So yeah. If I can take from that, but when it goes back to Matt Wilson, he he, he just kind of a land on your feet kind of guy. Like, even if we do cut him, 
he just sounds like the kind of guy who's just going to bounce around practice squads until he's probably mid-30s and just somehow still make a decent amount of money. Like, I feel like oh, I, th- I think Mac will find a job some- somewhere. Yeah, I think he will. He's too young and, and probably, you know, well thought of enough to get another shot someplace, you know. Um, there is potential there. I just, I, I, don't, I don't know. There's just something missing. You, you have to figure that quite a few of the guys that are cut from the Browns are going to find jobs. And it's not going to be everybody who's cut from the 90-man roster down to the 53 is going to find a job. But, you know, those, those, last, uh, those last 10, 15, 20 cuts, and they're going to be cutting some really good players, guys who are going to go and, and – you know, some of them are going to start for other teams, and some of them are going to be, you know, the first backup for other guys. Um, awesome definitely. Texans. They just, Texans? They just love old Browns players at this point. I feel like they've got about, I think I saw somewhere they've got about 12 players on their roster who've played for the Browns in like the last four years. Well, they may add another 12 this season. <laughs> you never know. I'm trying to think who they took. I know that they've got. Vincent Taylor, the defensive tackle from us, who played last year, more of a depth guy. I know there's at least two more that I'm missing. I'm really bad with names today. But I, I, oh, they got a bunch of guys, there. yeah. I don't know why. It's, it's harder and harder to keep up because guys bounce around more and more. But, yeah, yeah, I know they, they've got quite a few. So, um. It, let's talk about uh, one more thing, and then I think we're gonna. I think we'll get out of here after the, after this. And that that's that's Baker. Um, I know you, you probably have opinions on Baker, so I want to hear some of them. Okay. Um, Baker's Baker's contract. First of all, everybody's talking about it. I personally, I'm not that worried about it. I think they're going to extend him at some point. So uh, Baker doesn't seem overly worried about it. Uh, I think, uh, you know, whatever happens, happens um, there. You know, I, I guess there's some merit to the thought that the longer you wait, the better, because it gives you more flexibility on money for, you know, for other guys. But uh, eventually they're going to have to pay Baker. Um, so for you, first, I guess let's get your thoughts on the contract, first of all. Um contract I, I have no issue waiting like doing it as an urgent priority isn't an issue like there's other guys that I'd rather extend first but I want them to do it before the Ravens do Lamar because I feel like whatever number the Ravens give Lamar Baker's gonna want more and I feel like if you do it before the Ravens do Lamar then there isn't that solid benchmark and even yeah. few million that it could save us, that that could make the difference in in like extending the guy like Teller down the line. That like that's how crucial that two or three million could be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it makes sense. It's not an urgent priority. I would like to at least see things being put into motion by the back end of this season. Because I feel like if it does make it to the off season, there isn't at least 
like it's not at least close then all the rumours start is Baker going to be staying in Cleveland is there going to be a big free agent quarterback on the market <laughs> who are we going to sign so, who's out there who's coming to Cleveland who's been spotted in Cleveland is, is Peyton Manning going to start for the Browns next year Ryan Fitzpatrick's gone to Cleveland um, Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah <laughs> yeah, so it's like I, I just don't feel like we need it and I feel like we've passed that and I feel like the front office recognises that thankfully yeah. so I can, I can see that that gets done whether it gets done before Lamar or not I hope so it's 50-50 because maybe mm. then maybe the Ravens aren't quite as focused on that but we need to get it done before Baker otherwise his price is going to rise but I feel like with us, it maybe works that way with expectations because we're trying to get where they've been. Um, when it comes to Baker as a player, I like the natural progression that we're seeing. He wasn't too confident in the offense early on in the year, but we start to see the, like, the natural flow of the offense coming together. I think the Titans game, week four, 13 or 14, whatever it was, is a perfect example of it. Mm. How everything just clicked into place. And we did not put a foot wrong in that first half. Like, that is what the offence needs to be. Obviously, I'm not saying you're going to put up 38 points every week. Um, but yeah. Do you, do you kind of expect him to pick up where he left off, you know, last at the at the end of last season, I mean, he he started playing really really well. I don't know, we you know about halfway through the season. And I want this stigma to die down that he started playing well when Odell got injured because I hate that because it was it just isn't true. Yes, yeah. he had one of his worst games of his career. No, not one of the worst games of the season. The week after Odell got injured, I, I can't. Right which was the Raiders game at home, that, that one in awful conditions, the one where you could barely throw it. Um, so I want that stigma to get dropped. Basically, when it comes down to Baker and the offence, I want to see more play-action rollouts. Just the fantasy keeps making everything as easy as possible for him because when your quarterback has everything easy, it's the whole offence take, even the running game, as mad as that might sound, because... The confidence is flowing. Like the, the better the play action system gets, the better the run game's going to go because obviously there's going to be better handoffs, more deception. And I feel like that was something we were still cra- probably getting used to towards the back end of the season. So we just need to see the natural progression of the offense. And I feel like Baker will combine with that. How much how much pressure do you think Baker feels this season? Do you do you think he is a guy who feels pressure? Yes, but he doesn't let you see it. Because I feel like he's a leader. He isn't gonna let anyone else recognise that he's probably feeling the same that you are because he wants you to be able to look at to him as the calm one, the one that's got everything under control, when in reality, in his head, he's probably just like every other player out there yeah. like going absolutely crazy in his own mind, thinking, oh my god, what, what is going to happen? But that's what 
I like about him because he's the calm, cool, composed figure in the time of chaos that you can look up to. And I feel like, regardless of ability, every quarterback and every leader needs to be that. Your quarterback has to be someone who your teammates can look to in times of disarray and think, that's what we need to be like. And I feel like that's what our players can do with Baker. That's why we love Bernie Kosar. Bernie was that guy. You know, Bernie, you know, would, I think Bernie had very much that same persona. He'd be out there just, you know, cool as a cucumber. <laughs> uh, situations didn't get to him. And, um, you know, very smart guy and just, uh, you know, he never seemed to get flustered at all. And I think Baker, I don't know it. I don't know if that's the first thing you notice about Baker. I think with Baker, it's almost like um, when I think of Baker, I think of the competitiveness a little bit more than the coolness. And with Baker, yeah. I almost want somebody to, to like um, say something to him. Like, like I want at yeah. the coin flip somebody to say to Baker that, yeah, you're not shit. You know, we're gonna kick your butt. Yeah, and because yeah. then I know we're gonna win the game. <laughs> yeah, so a different kind of players, but um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think Baker, um, if he does feel pressure, definitely he really doesn't show it. So, um. For the season, how much of a difference does uh, or do Baker's numbers matter to you versus? And again, this you know this this isn't a brilliant question because it really comes down to win, wins and losses. But in the scheme of things, how important are the numbers that Baker puts up this year? Um, to me, I could not care as long as we're winning to baker i feel like this is the year that they probably matter the most because it's it's negotiation year it's contract year mm-hmm. so when you're evaluating and you're looking at the stats and you're looking at the numbers which you think line up that's what it's going to be based off that's where your money's going to come from not necessarily wins and losses in a way obviously that will have a contributing factor but your own personal stats will probably have more influence on your contract negotiations because that's just the way that it works nowadays. So to me, as long as we're winning, it doesn't matter. To Baker, it's probably the most important out of the four years he's been here so far. I, I agree with you. I agree. And is this the season that Baker sets the Browns season touchdown record? Which is... Uh, he would have to he would have to throw thirty one. The the record is thirty by by a Brian Sipe, I think in seventy nine. Seventy nine or eighty, I believe it's seventy nine. Think he well, throws thirty one? He did twenty eight last year, and that was only when he was still still picking up the offense. This is the first off season where he's not had to learn a new offense as bad as that sounds, and we're going into year four of Baker. So if if all of the offense staying relatively healthy and there aren't any like too many gaping holes or like the wide receiver core doesn't get decimated, 
football, but the offensive line goes down. I think he should be able to do that. Yeah, it's when I think about that record, the fact that that the Browns have a team touchdown record that has stood for forty plus years, it's simply amazing. I mean. I haven't I haven't done this yet, and I really don't want to take the time to do it. But if you think about the touch the passing record for touchdowns for all of the teams in the league, how many teams do you think have a number that's lower than thirty? <laughs> Probably not many. I that's mean, guys, 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 guys throw forty touchdowns now like it's nothing. I mean, a lot of guys, not everybody, but a lot of guys do. One, maybe two teams maximum. Yeah, yeah. So the Browns have this record that's that's been around for forty. I, I would say forty two, forty two seasons. So I, I just feel like it's time. Like Baker's going to throw thirty plus this year and, and break that record. Um, it's not going to be a huge celebration because it's kind of just matter of fact that Baker should be throwing thirty plus touchdowns a year. He should be doing that by like week fifteen. Ideally, I, I think he could easily do it. But again, it depends how, you know, how the Browns play and how the defense plays. If the defense plays great to where the Browns are just running the crap out of the ball, he may not need to throw a ton of touchdown passes. Yeah, but if he doesn't need to throw it, then surely that's a good thing because it means we're in control of the game. That's right. And like we've said, it comes down to the wins and losses. All wins and losses. Yeah, so uh, what? Uh, I'll give you a, a chance to give, I think this is going to be the first prediction for the season, and this is way too early to be giving a one-loss prediction, but you've kind of, you kind of alluded to it earlier. Yeah. Do you want to give us a prediction for how many wins the Browns will put up this year, regular season? I'm going to say that we go 12-5. It's a little conservative, but but I like it. I, I'd be happy with 12 and 5. I'd take that right now. Definitely. Well, we've been going a while here, Cameron. I think we'll, uh, we'll uh, kind of get on the road to closing this out. So what I, what I would like to do is give you, uh, give you a chance to give the uh, listeners any closing words, anything you want to leave everybody with. Um, well, yeah, I just hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble on for about an hour and 20 minutes at this point. It's currently <laughs> 2.56am on Thursday morning. That's a long one. Yeah, it's the middle of the night. It's good. The sun's going to be coming up in about an hour and a half. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's time for me to go to bed. It is, yeah. Well, this, this has been fun. Good talking to you. Yeah, you too. All right. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.